Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how you doing this evening? I'm doing all right, Ben. Um, I think it's interesting that for the first time you didn't say the episode number. I think that means we're established that you can no longer keep track of the episode numbers. Yeah, that was a conscious decision because I keep fumbling over my words every week. <laughs> and I figure we've had enough episodes to this point where I like I'm not gonna want to be welcome to the. 117th episode of the Prep to Pro podcast. God willing, we make it that far. But <laughs> I, I decided to drop it early so people don't get annoyed later on. <laughs> so today, I I think hopefully this will be our first ever actually short short episode, but it's definitely going to end up going long. Um, we're we're doing more of the misutilizations this time for some guys that are higher ranked in the mainstream. So didn't um didn't qualify for us when we did our lottery prospects, but are guys who who are definitely in contention to go in the lottery or at least the top 20 in the actual draft. Um, so, I mean, we'll get started with the probably one of the largest um, disagreements between mainstream sources and uh, draft Twitter, which would be James Wiseman, the center from Memphis. Um, so Wiseman, what, what we've got for him is that he's forced into diverse pick and roll coverages uh, that, I mean, that's the first aspect of this. And so I think that you saw that a lot at Memphis, of course, in, in just three games, but he seemed to be stuck between various coverages. So especially in the UIC game, he would go and, and it looked like he was trying to hedge, but it was just like, bizarre um it it was like not really a hedge and he but he wasn't really waiting at the level of the screen for like it wasn't like a very shallow drop it, it just was totally mystifying what he was trying to do um and so i think the idea is that like it needs to be simplified for him he needs to be one doing one thing and that's drop coverage because he cannot get out high on the floor like he cannot hedge he doesn't have the lateral mobility for that um, his like recovery ability is really poor. And that's, I mean, that's the thing with even in a drop, like he just seems to have such a poor feel for his recovery to the role man that even in a drop, I mean, there are definitely reasons to be concerned, but I think pretty clearly if he's asked to do, to really execute any pick and roll coverage besides drop, he's going to have a lot of issues. 
Yeah, he's kind of like the anti um, Onyeka Kongu in mm-hmm. in our last misutilizations episode. We talked about how a team would a team would be misutilizing him, misutilizing Onyeka if they didn't use him in a versatile pick and roll covers. Where Wiseman is the opposite. My 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 crude formulation, uh, like Max talked about in those games where he just looks so lost. I it, it kind of looks like he forgot what the pick and roll coverage was initially and tried really hard to compensate and it just looked really bad. Um, that's kind of, I, I mean, that's likely not what happened, but that's how it looks. No, I mean, it, it looked like I mean, he didn't know what coverage he was supposed to be doing. Well, yeah, like, so like that's, that's really what it looked like. Yeah, it it's looked like, like he forgot the coverage. Yeah, like, like he, he didn't know what he was supposed to be doing because he, there were multiple options for yeah. him and there shouldn't yeah. be multiple options for him, which kind of leads into our other thing with him that where he's going to be drafted really highly. If a team, you know, I think he's a guy who, who probably will be able to play large, uh, like significant regular season minutes, but if he's relied upon to be a fourth late fourth quarter option, a playoff option because of the inability to get up high on the floor, I think he's going to have a lot of issues. Um, so I think a team just has to be aware of that, aware of what they're, what they're drafting. And if, I mean, if you have a problem with drafting, you know, the, he, he I don't want to make the direct comparison to Andre Drummond because they're very different players, but if the general concept of a player um is like aligned with Drummond where he is a big minute player. He is, I think in the regular season, a positive player, but you know, in these high leverage moments at the highest level, he's not going to be viable. Like if, if that's not what you want out of your top five or seven pick, then Wiseman is, is definitely not your guy. I mean, yeah. And beyond just the, the inability to be versatile in defense, just his extreme limitations with his feel for the game and his ability to know what to do with the ball and without the ball on the offensive end also really inhibit his ability to play in high leverage situations. Because in the regular season, in lower leverage situations, he can just roll, dunk, maybe get a post up once or twice a game, but just just be, just be a play finisher. But when he, if he's asked and if he has to be more than that, that's going to be concerning because he just doesn't have the skill or the intelligence at this point to really execute that. Yeah, I don't think there was like a single notable pass in the three games at Memphis. I remember a couple from uh, high school where he had, he had a, I think, a couple like nice post passes, maybe even like one or two on the move, either like streaking down the court in transition or or I don't think on the roll, but, but something on the move. Um, so maybe there's more there as a passer, but there's not a lot of reason to think that there is. I mean, it didn't show up at all, granted, in the very small sample at, at Memphis. And I think he was like pretty – he was a black hole uh, at Memphis for sure. Like he he definitely missed passes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just not not a guy that you're going to want playing uh, at the most important times in a game. You know, that's that's definitely why why I think a lot of people in, in our circles dock him. Um because even if he is valuable for those, you know, 28 to 30 uh, lower, lower significance minutes in regular season games, you know, you're, you're drafting ideally, I think, to, to compete in the playoffs. And um, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're counting on, on Wiseman to, to be a part of that, uh, you're probably going to have some problems. All right, so let's move on to our next guy, which is Dayton big man, Obi Toppin. And the big thing with Obi Toppin is the defense. If he, a team is really going to have to insulate him defensively if they want it if they want to extract positive value for him and they want to play him significant minutes because his defense is going to be really, really poor. And that, that those struggles are going to be amplified by the fact that he's going to be playing on the interior. And he really just cannot be asked to defend the perimeter with his 
inability to move laterally, his his hunch. We've talked about this plenty. Just can't can't really change directions in the short area, and he's not the best defending the interior, but he can do that. So I want. So he's really gonna have to play next to a stronger defensive four or defensive big to to cover for him, and and hopefully defensive guards and play him in a system where he's not asked to switch often. Because if he is, especially in the playoffs and high leverage situations like we talked about with Wiseman, he's not going to have a lot of success. And then offensively, um, someone who is maybe not asked to initiate from the perimeter super super often. Because though though his handle and like he can drive and finish a little bit, I think it's not a strength of his. So um, that's d- definitely going to be a way that you could not maximize Obi Toppin's offensive profile. Because he is a very good offensive player who is likely going to be able to do a lot of things well on the offensive side. But he's not a guy you can just plug and give the ball and tell him to go. Yeah, and I mean he's gonna be ha- he's gonna have to be put in position to do a lot off a lot of different things offensively because I think that he's you know he won't be a high volume post guy, but he'll have some utility. I mean certainly in in mismatch mismatch situations, I think he'll be a good role man, but but um you know not necessarily the best one. He'll be a good pick and pop guy, but probably not a great one. Um, so he's just going to have to, he's going to have to get a lot out of his offensive versatility. He shouldn't be boxed into one offensive role, but um, back to the defense. What, like, what do you think, who do you think the compliment to him is? Like, is it, um, I don't even know. I guess it's like a, a Tatum or Vassell type who is like on the wing defending the perimeter, but is gumming up so many, um, you know, rim attempts before they even happen um i i guess because i'm with you he he top and can't defend the perimeter yeah you either want like a bigger wing who could play down like talk about the cell or someone like jason tatum or someone like john isaac or you yeah, want or, or even like pat you think yeah pat williams maybe one day i mean i mean he has his own move pat, pat's gonna pat yeah i mean pat has yeah. the perimeter issues but but yeah. or i think you want maybe like a, a more nimble big who can play up a little bit who can maybe cover for that side of Toppin's weakness, but generally... I, I was kind of thinking, like, Jaron, even. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking him, maybe, like, a Bam Adebayo and some... Even like oh, Jaren. okay. Yeah, Someone like good. Bam Adebayo would cover for a lot of Toppin's weakness. Well, I mean, Toppin doesn't really have a strength on defense. I mean, he's he's fairly strong and will probably defend the interior, like, at a fine clip or at a fine rate, but he's not going to be special. So just versatility around him is what you want which is obviously like a difficult ask because like how many like legitimately versatile versatile interior defenders are there in the nba and like obi Toppin's likely to be drafted in the top five top ten there aren't a lot of teams picking in that range that have guys to really insulate him which is going to be a big concern yeah yeah tough guy tough guy to build around and i mean just you, you, increasingly becoming a tough sell to me uh definitely that high yeah and um, i'll say one more thing it's important to consider that like max talked about with, with with versatility offensively it's important to consider how perfect his fit was in anthony grant's offense at dayton mm-hmm. who he, he was just like anthony grant is fantastic uh he's a fantastic coach and put top in and all of his other players in the exact spot they needed to to maximize their value so so yeah like i said it if if there's an unimaginative coach who's not gonna really scheme for for Toppin, um, that's just not it's just not gonna work as you hope it would. Yeah. All right. Let's do Aaron Neesmith next. So I think last week 
right? We talked about Neesmith yep. and yep. how you were right when you when we talked about him uh, <laughs> many weeks ago uh, and said that he's kind of a one-skill prospect. Um, I, I don't think this will happen, but if if Neesmith is is asked to create at all on the ball, I think he'll he'll absolutely fail at that. Um, because I mean, as we've discussed, such a bad decision maker, so lacking in in burst and handle, um, just really has zero creation equity uh, whatsoever. Can't get to the rim at all. Uh, but I think the other thing that is maybe a little sneakier that should definitely be mentioned is that he, if he gets difficult wing D assignments, um, he'll struggle a lot. He doesn't have the lateral mobility for that. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't have like overwhelming size or strength. Um, and just, he's, he's definitely at his best defensively as an off ball guy. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're sticking him on the, you know, the best wing creators in the league, he's going to get absolutely smoked. Um, and as a guy who I think is billed as a three and D type, maybe one wouldn't think that, but definitely his, his defensive impact is going to come off the ball. And even there, I, I, I don't think it'll be very positive. <laughs> Yeah, Neesmith is a fairly straightforward one who I don't think has that high of a chance to be misused. I think teams know what he is and they want what he is, which is just like a very great movement off-ball shooter. Um, I could see some teams try to run him as an on-ball like pull-up shooting threat, which he really doesn't have. Yeah, because um, I mean he has a he yeah. has a major hitch in, in yeah. his pull up. It's yeah. it's bizarre. Yeah. Like like maybe if a team assumes um like sees his numbers and sees what he does off movement, they assume he can shoot off a dribble and he can't. But I think Neesmith is like a fairly straightforward one and not one that's super likely to be um misused in a stark way that really harms his development. Yeah, um, I mean so that's kind of the, that's kind of the appeal that that like yeah. it, it's pretty clear he's, what he's, he. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so let's go to our next guy who's like very similar in Sadiq Bay, who like like in my notes I just have like little carrots pointing up. <laughs> basically the same thing. If he's forced to do any sort of creation on the perimeter, I think Bay is like a little bit better passing the ball than Neesmith, like attacking off the catch, but like not significantly so. Um so yeah, I mean I mean if he I mean if he's asked to make plays with the ball in his hand, not gonna go well. And then similar defensively, um he's cannot really defend the perimeter. So Teams will see like 6'8", 220 wing, or how, however heavy he is. And assume he can really defend those big wings, these jumbo initiators, when he really can't. And kind of like very similar to Neesmith. He's going to be an off-ball impact guy, even if he's not crazy impactful there. Yeah, and I think he's kind of more of a trap in that sense. Like like you mentioned, I, I think on both ends, because he was a, a definitely a more accomplished creator in college, I think there's there's certainly some risk that he could be leaned on to create a little bit on the ball. And I don't think he can do that um, in the NBA. And because he, he is a bigger, uh, stronger looking guy than, than Neesmith. I definitely think that some teams could, could view him as a wing stopper type, which I think he very much isn't. Um, So I think he, he definitely is like less, it's less obvious what he is than Neesmith. And I think that invites more potential for him to be misused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreement there. Just being like as under the spotlight as he was at Villanova. Plus, I mean, Neesmith missing so much of the season, and Bay playing playing a, a pretty heavy on ball role on a big team, a, a good team is going to have NBA teams more likely to force him into pick and roll situations, and maybe even the odd isolation, which he really can't do. So. 
Yeah. Next, we have Alexei Pokashevsky, the forward big uh, seven-footer who played for the Olympiacos B team uh, in the Greek second division. Um, I think we might kind of disagree on how he's utilized or at least have different things that we that we think um, are most important. But for me, it's definitely that if he's used as a big on either end, I think he'll fail. Um, like, like I mentioned, he played in Greek second division and he was getting backed down by six, eight post players in the Greek second division. Like this is not a guy who can defend the interior. And like, and we talk a lot about how defending the interior is not about being a stout post defender, but like in his case, he'll be so outlier bad that you know you put like an NBA center in the post against him. Like he, he will get broken in half. Um, and then offensively, I mean, that's just, that's not where his outlier skill is, you know, his outlier skill will be in the functionality of his jumper. Um, and so if he's used as just like a roll man and, uh, like a putback guy, that's a, a massive waste and he won't be successful. Yeah. I think, I mean, the, the big thing is absolutely true. He, he can't play true five, at least not at the moment. Maybe if he adds some strength that we don't expect, but still, He's way too gangly to do that. Yeah, my thing was pretty similar to what you said. I mean, if he's just kind of relegated to, like, spot up. Um, even if he, like, he's a guy who can definitely run, like, a pick and roll, uh, maybe occasionally, but not someone who should be asked to do that often. Certainly not at this stage, at this stage in his career, not someone who should be given any serious creation values. But I think in order to maximize value, you really want a team that's going to play in transition with Pokashevsky, allow him to, one, push himself after he gets rebounds and take advantage of his really outlier coordination and passing at a size, and then someone who's allowed to run around and shoot basically all he wants is to chuck off the ball, um, play more of an off-ball role, because just like that off-ball presence at his size with all of his skills could be really valuable, especially in a situation where other players are creating advantages for him. So we can take advantage of path of closeouts and things like that. But yeah, just being thrown into either too much creation on offense or not enough off ball like utility. So there's basically going to be a sweet spot for Pokashevsky um, at this point. But that's not to say that couldn't change because I mean the idea with Pokashevsky at this point is that people who's high on who are high on him seem to seriously bet on some sort of development with him. So maybe there will be some sort of outlier development that changes entirely. And that's probably the point with him. But, but at this point, I mean, I don't think he's, I don't think an 18 year old Pokashevsky is going to be a very impactful NBA player anyways, or one that's, or at least shouldn't be one that's relied on to do much. So. Yep. Um, should we move on to tail Maldon? Uh, yeah, let's do tail Maldon. Um, French guard place for Asphel in France. Um, this one's pretty easy. Um, so just a guy who is not a primary initiator and who can't take on primary initiation duties, basically whose, whose main thing is that he looks like a really good shooting prospect. So let him play off the ball and take advantage of that shooting. And he's definitely someone who can pass and has some pick and roll craft. And I think that's definitely improved, um, this season, especially, but still it's not, it's nowhere near initiator status. And I, I think he's fallen off a bit in the mainstream, but there's still some places that seem to have him pretty high. And if he goes highly, it's the chance that a team views him as a primary as possible. Someone who, who plays off the ball, is able to shoot spot-ups, and then runs the occasional secondary pick-and-roll uh, could be like an effective off-guard, but just not a very special prospect. And if he's treated as someone with a lot of offensive duties, could probably fail. 
Yeah, I was surprised to see because I I knew that a, that a, like a slide started for him, um, and then he's still I think in the lottery for ESPN, and that was just very surprising to me because I mean everything he said is true. He's just like kind of a boring combo guard. I, I mean he he really does remind me a fair amount of Nikhil Alexander Walker in that like yeah he has some skills and is like a good shooter and has plus size, but he he just clearly doesn't have the um dynamic athleticism that's required to be a lead ball handler in the NBA. Um, I think, and I mean, he's way, way worse as a defender than, than Nikhil was like Nikhil was a pretty interesting off ball defender. Um, whereas Teo is like a pretty terrible defender. Um, yeah, and even saying that Nikhil was not great defensively this year. This is <laughs> I just, I, I don't get why he's, he's still this high. I think his, like deployment is pretty simple. Like he's a, he's a combo guard, mostly off the ball. Like he can run some secondary pick and roll. Um, but yeah, uh, he's, he's boring. <laughs> yeah. I'll say if somehow he becomes like a very good shooter, then maybe he'll have more on ball utility. Cause that'll yeah. open up his, his driving. And I guess that's like, an, I guess that's a ceiling outcome. That's like within the realm of possibility, but like certainly not something I'm, I'm going to bet on. Yeah, I mean, maybe on the on like value plays, I guess they're they're too close in the mainstream, but definitely on my board, like Cole Anthony in the top ten versus Tail Maldon outside the top twenty. Like, if the main appeal is this guy could be a pretty ridiculous shooter, and the other stuff is pretty iffy, and I like uh, the other stuff like a lot, a lot better from Cole, but but de- definitely as as an alternative, like if just a guy with some point guard skills who has a chance to be a pretty ridiculous shooter um i guess i guess i do see the appeal in that sense but um yeah i overall tail maladon is is fairly underwhelming um not to pile on too much yeah uh, yeah nothing too special all right so, so let's go to our next guy who uh memphis big press precious achua this is also a really easy one um if he's done anything but played at center, um, he likely will not cut very much. And part of the reason he was, I mean, successful relatively um, this year at Memphis was James Wiseman's absence allowed him to play almost basically exclusively center, despite him being listed as a small forward for the award list. So, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, just as like an energy backup big who can run the floor, um, and 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 protect the rim and finish around the basket. I mean, because because as much as we like to pile on Precious, he is a pretty ridiculous athlete in 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 his own sense. So there's some possibility of value there. And I guess the second offensive thing is kind of in conjunction with that. If he's given any decision making responsibility, because he he really cannot make decisions with the ball at a competent level for the NCAA, let alone the NBA. So Precious has like a very specific role that he needs to play to, to thrive. And I worry that like a team that wants to draft him in the lottery is not drafting a backup small ball five um, in that high. And they're going to try to force him onto the wing or m- into more, more mentally taxing roles on defense. So, I think there's actually quite a bit of ways to mess up Precious, d- despite like his, his his perceived path to success being pretty clear. Yeah, I worry a lot about a team taking him in the lottery and forcing him into a what is I guess perceived as a more valuable role, like on the wing, because um, he I mean he just doesn't have the decision making, he doesn't have the perimeter skill, um, 
yeah, I mean, he just doesn't have any of the tools for that. Um, to the point that you mentioned, so Precious finished the year with a with a 5.1 BPM on BART. And in their first three games, so against South Carolina State, plus 5.7, I believe that was the team missing their two best players while also being <laughs> like not even a top 300 and maybe even 50 team in uh, D1 basketball. Like they At truly are on three. Yeah, they're, they're like true. They're truly like barely a D one program. Uh, so you had a plus five point seven against them, and then against UIC, that he had a minus eleven point two BPM, and then a minus five point seven against Oregon. Like when he was not playing the center, for, uh, not playing center for Memphis, he was a disaster in those first three games with Wiseman. Like really a disaster. So I wonder where his stock would be if Wiseman had played out the whole year and he had been in more of a perimeter role, like he really could have tanked. Um, and I think coming into the year, a lot of what people, you know, people who even were relatively high on precious in, in like draft Twitter circles were saying like, this guy is a center. Uh, we won't be able to see it, but the way that he works is as a center. Um, and I think, I mean, that definitely showed at Memphis and like, I hope for his sake, that's how he's used in the NBA. That's his avenue to being an NBA player, but um, going that high, definitely, there's definitely some concern that he won't be. Yeah. And I'll say that it definitely looked maybe a little bit better at Montford when he played along alongside Cade Cunningham and Moses Moody and just that just basically Cade Cunningham and <laughs> Cade makes everyone look look good so it's not really fair but playing against like real nba nba level passers and distributors will likely help him but yeah just not someone who can be relied on to make plays he had a 0.3 assist to turnover ratio and sub 60 from the free throw line uh the only guys at his height um to play in the nba and actually do anything well the only guy is kenneth fareed Yes, so, I I knew it would be fareed because he is fareed yeah, that's, that's yeah. who he is he is the animal but less cool yeah, I mean, he really, yeah. he really like is strikingly similar yeah. to Kenneth Freed. Kenneth, but Kenneth Freed is really cool and did more cool dunks than he did. But yeah, um, I mean, like Freed was like a fine ro- rotation player for Denver in his prime, if you want to call it, um, because he, because he literally just rebounded and dunked, and he was like a tenable rotation player. So I, 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 don't, I, do you, I don't know if was was he ever what was his like percentage of minutes at center versus the four right now um i'm not sure but that's a good question yeah farid is like a pretty apt comparison for he really is <laughs> yeah so so th- this year in houston farid played all of his minutes at center uh-huh, and that minutes. makes sense that i and mean then, and, but houston doing yeah, that makes sense right, right. And then in denver um in 11 12 he played 97 percent of his minutes at the four and then in 12-13, it was about a 50-50 split. So, Yeah, so if – I mean, if if Precious stumbles into a team that, that wants to use uh, him like Kenneth Freed was used prior to going to the one team that makes 6-4 guys centers, um, <laughs> he's probably going to run into some problems. Yeah. Okay, I, think, I feel like yeah. that's probably – unless you have more to add, I feel like that's no, probably I, enough on Precious. Yeah. Houston All right, next player. we've got Nico Mannion. Okay, so I think the thing that I've definitely touted a lot with Nico as a point of appeal is his off-ball game. Uh, and I think it's pretty simple. If he's not 
used a lot off the ball, he will fail because as we saw at Arizona, there are a lot of problems with him as an on-ball creator. Just doesn't have the shake, doesn't have the uh, the strength, the burst um, to uh, to get to the rim and finish there. Um, and as of right now, the pull-up is not good enough. Um, so if he's asked to play on the ball a lot, he'll probably fail. Um, but I think the positive of his draft stock finally falling a bit um, is that that seems unlikely that, you know, he might actually be drafted to be a like high value third guard, which is, which is kind of what I think he is. Um, so yeah, I think that, that he probably won't be misused, but that's definitely how you do it. Yeah. I don't have much else to add on that point. Um, pretty easy. Nico Manian is not someone who can create on the ball, no matter what, uh, empty gym videos of him doing, uh, like crazy dunks. We'll, we'll tell you so. All right, so that's pretty quick. Uh, we'll go to our last guy, which is Jaden McDaniels. And, I mean, it's pretty simple for him as well. Um, Jaden is someone who needs to be allowed to attack off the catch. Um, hopefully someone who shoots spot-ups and can attack advantages and finish and not, not really even pass because – it, it, because because the vision is is not really there, but yeah, someone who just doesn't have the burst or the physicality to create on the ball, and then defensively, someone who is forced to defend the perimeter a lot, um, because he really can defend the interior as a help defender. Uh, of course, the zone is going to muddy up the numbers and the results a little bit there, but he really but he really can rotate in the interior and make plays there. Uh, so if he's asked to like be a big wing stopper, that's just not his role because of his because of his lack of strength and ability to really hold bigger wings. I honestly think Jaden it like gets a bit of a raw deal from draft Twitter and is kind of turning into like a bit of a value play. Um, because like all the things that people don't like about him are true. He is a terrible decision maker. He has no burst. He's wildly uh, skinny and weak. Um, and going back to high school, I mean, talking about defense, his awareness was so bad. Um, just like incredibly, incredibly bad. But I do think I buy him for the most part as a spot up shooter, as a guy attacking closeouts. Like he has very long strides, can can get to the rim uh, pretty easily, even without the uh, even uh, with the lacking burst. And then as a ball handler, like he kind of has a weird amount of shake. Like he's he's a bit deceptive um, with the ball. And granted, he can't really do much with that because the pull up is not reliable. And that's kind of he likes taking awful pull ups, and and he can't leverage whatever advantage he creates into good opportunities for others because he's such a bad decision maker. But um, I think a little bit underrated in that offensively, like he's got a pretty nice complimentary package and um, the, the weak side help defense, like everything you said is true. The definitely boosted by the zone, but he had really strong moments um, and his, his physical tools for that are pretty solid uh, I, I think very much not a, a perimeter wing defender, um, but a guy who who can make plays from the weak side for sure, uh, and could be I think a fairly valuable complimentary piece. It's it's good that his stock has fallen off from when people were talking about him as a top ten guy. That was ludicrous. He would have failed terribly if he was put in a role like that. But his stock has fallen to a point where. I, I think he's turning into an interesting option. Like he, he'll always have limitations. The the body is really bad. He he'll never be special mentally. And uh, like Jonathan Isaac comps that he was getting earlier in the year, are like just so insulting to Jonathan Isaac. But um, I think Jaden is a guy that that could turn into a fairly valuable player 
if uh, if a team plays to his strengths. Yeah, um, I would like to enact the bull bull corollary and actually play him in zone at the NBA level. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get Jaden on the Heat and just have him play zone because, like, just let him play the left block in a two three next to Bam um, and Jimmy Butler and gotta just, throw like, wise gotta throw Wiseman into one of those zones as well. Um, Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's bring back the zone 2020. But like, no. Let's not- let's not do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For all of our sakes, let's let's not have every every NBA game be a Syracuse one. So, but a serious point. Yeah. I do have like a little bit of worry. Uh, there's going to be maybe a not so smart team that because we talked about his stock has definitely fallen from the time when he was getting number one pick height back in high school. So I do have early this year. I think. I think that was it really. I, think, I thought it kind of I think DX was trying to make that a thing earlier in the year. Huh. I I, I don't remember. But but I mean I'm worried that some maybe less smart organization is gonna be like, wow, this guy who was touted as a top pick is falling to thirty. Let's draft him and make him our backup like initiator. So no, that's not gonna happen. I don't know. That, I mean, like, that's not gonna happen. I don't know about backup initiator, but like so, someone with more ball handling responsibilities than he should. I think that's still a possibility. I like, doubt it. I mean, when you're when you're falling to that point in the draft, like yeah, there are some traded picks, but um, you're, you're still talking about good teams for the most part. Like they they're not yeah. they know that they're not throwing Jaden McDaniels into a creation role. Good <laughs> hope. I I I'm not worried about it. I'm really not. I mean, the Knicks are projected to pick 27, so (laughs) So don't underestimate them. Fair enough. (laughs) Okay, so that's actually our last guy, and by God, would you look at the time, so... Well, we still have, we still still have, have, yeah, like, five guys we're going to talk about, so... I don't think this will go... uh, All right, let's keep it under an hour. But but if we... (laughs) Go ahead, go. All right, so, yeah, let's do our catching eye, guys, guys we've been watching on film. Both of us, I finally caught up to the international game as school has finally ended for me. So my first guy who I've been watching is Abdoulaye Ndoy, I believe is how you say it. Uh, French wing, play, plays in the French league. Um, 22, year, 22 years old, so he's auto-eligible. But just six foot seven wing with a 7'2 wingspan, who's like a pretty impressive passer. He brought the ball up and like initiated quite a bit of offense for for his team and he was like he was pretty successful running pick and rolls he has some legitimate like like hesitation dribble moves and he like wraps passes to big men and he can hit shooters and then like the shooting with him he shot 40 percent this year and he's 75 percent of the line and the mechanics look pretty solid this is like guys with his offensive skill set even though he can't really dribble and he's not super bursty so the scoring is going to be an issue but guy with his passing ability and like pick and roll initiation at his size it's pretty rare and then defensively, kind of a stock machine, has like plus two steals. It's crazy. That 7-2 wingspan is so disruptive on defense. Just like nabbing deflections that he shouldn't get to, stealing post entries. He doesn't really make like super heady rotations. He's not like some 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 defensive genius, but he's that 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 frame really helps. And I mean, he's not dumb by any means. He doesn't really miss rotations that are blatant super often. And then he's more than capable laterally. And on, and I'll also note that like like he, his free throw rate is also like almost 0.5 in the French league, which is really impressive for a guy who, in my limited viewing, didn't seem like he could handle very well. So yeah, just like like a potential like pass, dribble, shoot, offense plus defense wing at his size is really valuable. And I'm not sure where I'm gonna have him at this point, but he seems like a guy who could like possibly be in that like late first round conversation. I'm not really sure. I'm gonna have to see more, but someone who is super interesting to me despite his like age. 
I won't say anything because I watched one game of his a while ago, and I just realized that on my pass through of, of all internationals of uh, relevance, I forgot him. Uh, but I have a couple games uh, saved, so I will watch him uh, in the near future and get back to you with thoughts. Next one. Uh, should I do one of mine now? Sure. All right, I'll do my. I pick the most impossible names. Good luck. Um, so my first one is Nikos Rogov Rogovopoulos. Nikos no. Rogovopoulos. Rogovopoulos. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna call him Nikos. Uh, so, so Nikos, um, I, it seems to have some some buzz. But I watched a couple of the FIBA, I think it was U19 games from this past summer. And he is like the worst defensive prospect I've seen this year. Uh, just did not care at all. Zero effort. Uh, missed all sorts of rotations. Died on every screen. Just like wildly, wildly bad. Um, really good shooter at like 6'8". But in my opinion, has like no business being in the draft this year. Like he's, I think he's still 18 or 19. Um and should absolutely stay overseas um, and continue to get better and prove that he cares on the defensive end because, like, it was strikingly bad. Um, and I like I he's not a top hundred guy for me. Yeah, there's there's definitely some some value in a six eight guy who can shoot the crap out of the ball and and he can definitely pass a little bit at least in, at least from what I've seen. I haven't watched him in a decent bit, but yeah, defensively it, it's a mess. Um, in in really every sense but i mean he's a guy who will attract value from the nba nonetheless because of his offensive skill set but yeah not someone who's ready to contribute on an nba floor yeah you want to do yeah i'll do my last guy uh this is my um this is my favorite son uh rokas chokabitis plays for i think zalgris in EuroLeague. yeah Um, and the lithuanian lk lithuanian national team Lithuanian national team. Oh my goodness! I just love Rokas. Uh, I'll call him Rokas. Rokas, just in case. Um, he is just probably not someone who like I can rank as highly as I should because he's like a point guard who isn't really an initiator prospect. But he's like like he's just so good at everything. He has lots of size. He like has a really positive shooting projection. Gets into his pull up pretty well, and he shot eighty percent from the line pretty good this year. Awesome passer, like super manipulative. Um, has all the pick and roll reads, has like a habit where he tends to like leave his feet and get himself in mm-hmm. trouble. But um, I don't think it's crippling considering how great he is at manipulation. And it's like, though he's not super quick, um, he lacks burst. He's big and he's pretty strong and he's super technically gifted as, as a driver. Like his, like though his first step's not great, his, like his consecutive steps, he creates a lot of separation with those, like using his off arm and his shoulder to get to his spots, using his handle to vary pace and maneuver without the pick and roll. And defensively, like he tries, he makes rotations, not super athletic, but around like 6'3", 6'4", um, he should be like capable there. And yeah, just someone who's someone who I'm not going to rank as high as as I wish I could because he's likely like a backup point guard. Well, where, or, do, where do you have him? I have him in like um, – I haven't updated my board. I'll probably have him around like the 50s. Okay. Yeah, that's about um, where I've got him as well, yeah. I think. Yeah. I, yeah, I need to do I need to throw in all the international guys officially that I've been watching. But yeah, someone who I wish I could rank higher than Ken because I just adore watching him play. Um but yeah, um like not being a really like really special at his size is going to is going to take away from him, but a, a really really talented player, super fun to watch. 
Um, and just a guy who I really hope success for. Yeah, I think he's just pretty clearly a backup point guard in the NBA. And it's just like if you're if you're making the case for Peyton Pritchard or Cassius Winston, um, high and. I mean, he's he's much better than Peyton Pritchard. But if you're if you're making the case for one of those guys high, you have to make it for Rokas as well because he played at a really high level. Um, like he played really well in both the Lithuanian LKL and Euroleague. Like he played well and big minutes in Euroleague. Um, and that's that's rare for a, for a guy that age. And he really is just pretty good at most things. I think um, my favorite thing about him is that in spite of his athletic limitations and not being like he's, I guess he's got solid size for a point guard, but, but definitely not huge. He's a really good finisher. Um, and I mean, you mentioned driving skill, but I think that like his, his extension finishes for a guy who's like not overly long um, are, are very impressive. Uh, I just think, yeah, I mean, he's just really, he's really quite good at, at everything and uh, seems like a very solid bet to be a backup point guard. And I've got him clustered right there with um, like Cassius, um, Malachi Flynn, Saban Lee, even uh, the guys who I think are like pretty um, good bets to be NBA backup point guards. I think he absolutely deserves to be in that group. Yeah, I think he's clearly better than a lot of those guys. Like like, like we said, Peyton Pritchard. I think he's better than Saban. Oh, he's Lee. he's much better than yeah. Peyton Pritchard. But much better than Peyton Pritchard. Better than Saban Lee, I think. Um, I think Malachi is a little better than him. But yeah, yeah Mal- but, I agree. But also, Rokas is younger than almost all those guys, and he gives you the advantage of a stash. You don't have to waste a mm-hmm. uh, roster spot on him. Yeah, and I'm just looking at the range. He's, he, he's better than Jared Butler. He's better than Jalen Crutcher. I mean, he's better than all these guys. I mean, he's not going to wait cost you a roster spot if you're a team drafting that doesn't have roster spots to give up. So just like so, someone who's going to get better as he ages in EuroLeague, as he continues to play more minutes in like the actual EuroLeague, because he didn't play that many minutes, but like Max said, he was successful when he did get on the floor, which I think is a pretty important, like it's pretty important heuristic for these international guys who play a lot of their competition, maybe not as as strong. Like we talked about with Bomaro, who obviously his domestic league is not as is much weaker than the the, the LKL, which all things considered is one of the better domestic leagues in the world. Yeah, like that stuff matters when like your league coaches trust these 18, 19 year olds to play actual minutes and have a role and a responsibility um, with with the Euroleague team. And then they show that they're able to, to, to have success. Yep. OK. And then I have two guys, but they kind of are one guy because they are genetically the same guy. Um, I've got the. <laughs> the Kalitsakis twins, um, Georgios and Panagiotis. Um, so Georgios is the prospect this year. Uh, Panagiotis is is not that much of a prospect um, and didn't declare this year. They'll both be auto-eligible next year should Georgios pull his name. Um, and I think they're both pretty underrated. I guess I'll go quickly over Panagiotis first first because he's a lot less of a prospect but he is like a little bit shorter than Georgios he's I think about 6'6 but a better shooter um less creation ability less ball handling ability and I think less impactful as a team defender but um I think a guy who I think is a better shooter than his percentages were this year I think he's around 30 percent this year but his mechanics are pretty good and he shot I think around 80 from the free throw line so definitely going forward a guy who if his 
three-point numbers regress to where I think his true talent is uh, could be more interesting. Well, I don't think ever be a draft candidate, but but someone to just keep an eye on uh, as he's playing overseas because guys at that size are, are coveted. Um, now, Georgios is the, the real jewel here. Um, he has very impressive creation ability for a guy who's who's i think probably six eight um he uh is a pretty good passer um and impressed me a fair amount as a team defender uh delic doesn't have the best body doesn't have the best athleticism but i don't think is terrible in that regard and his, his mechanics i think are a little worse than panagiotis's but they're not terrible uh and i think he was a pretty good free throw shooter so just a guy on on the wing who can really do a lot, uh, I think is a very interesting stash option. Um, as a guy, you just you get his rights, see how he develops overseas, see if the shot really comes around. And if it does, you're talking about, a, I think, a legitimate NBA wing player uh, because he's, he's got the ancillary skills down. He really just he needs the shot. Um, and then he'd be someone who I think is pretty valuable. Yeah, P- Pangiotis, I right i don't have much to say on i watched uh, in the game or two i saw he just didn't really stand out to me and then uh georgios i didn't realize he was that big but yeah i mean espn in their like article they posted when he declared has enlisted at 6-7 with a 6-11 wingspan so frame wise that's really impressive plus like, like like he's not skinny i mean he can hold he can hold up as well he's not like incredibly built but he's not a twig by any means yeah, just like someone who's like who has really impressive passing skill at his size. I mean, there's like manipulation, there's like no look passes with the live dribble. He does a lot of good things there. Like you said, there's there's some real space creation and some team defense impact. So just like a player who like at at his size hit hits a lot of the things they want him to do. And if like the if the shooting comes around, like you said, it could be like a legitimate pass dribble shoot offense plus defense wing at six foot eight, which those guys genuinely turn into good NBA players. Um, so yeah, I mean, if certainly, I, I, I believe what is he nineteen or twenty? I mean, no, I think he's twenty one. I think they're both. Okay. Tw- I think they're twenty one. Okay. I thought he was yeah, younger. yeah. Okay, so I mean, I mean, I mean, still, that's that's someone who you want to monitor going forward. Yeah, I mean, he's he really is someone that I think someone should take this year and get his rights and just just see what he turns into, um, because I, I, he really is like I think. I'm pretty confident he's an NBA player if the shot is there at a uh, solid volume and solid percentage. Yeah, and one last point. Um, we're going to get yelled at by our friend Zach Milner if we don't mention that he was a fan of him before a lot of us. So, um, Zach, yeah, Georgios is pretty good. Uh, you don't have to yell at us now. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, 45 minutes. That's all we've got for you today. Um, no, we don't have 15 minutes of outro. I promise um so yeah i mean you can follow the pod at prep number two pro pod i think if we are tracking this is like the 12th episode but we're getting to the point where we're losing count so it's been really it's been really fun um doing this and i'm excited to continue this throughout the summer and and so whenever the the draft actually is you can follow me on twitter at ben underscore pfeiffer underscore follow max at max a carlin and max got anything else Yes, please, please, please rate, uh, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help a lot, and it's not it's not that difficult um, to just go on Amazon. I'm oh, not Amazon, <laughs> Apple, and throw us a quick five stars and a nice little review. It really helps a lot, and we'd appreciate yes. it. If you've already reviewed, um, 
could get get your mom's phone and do it on hers. Get your, <laughs> phone, get your grandma's phone. Just leave reviews on all of us, and we'll be very nice to you. And at some point, we'll definitely do another mailbag, and we'll answer your questions. So please help. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's all we have for you tonight. Um, tonight for us. Uh, it, it will be this morning for, for you, likely, um, if, if you listen to when it comes out. But I'm going to stop talking. Ben, I thought we said, I thought we said not a 15-minute <laughs> outro. All right, goodbye. <laughs>